we're here with Daniel Price. Uh, this is the Preservatory Project. Um, future here, Assassin's Crew Urban Artistry. We got Daniel G-Force, um, straight out of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, he's here, he's been teaching at the studio this weekend. And uh, we've been just sharing and exchanging information and getting down. And uh, yeah, we just decided it'd be a good time to let him tell a little bit his perspective on different things going on in the in urban art forms and talk about Memphis culture since it's uh, yeah he's a he's a subject matter expert on the topic so we're just gonna break a few things down and talk about a few things um, so just to start it off I was just gonna ask you what it was like growing up in Memphis Tennessee you know what's the culture like there what can people expect like well you know um, I mean, you asked me what it's like growing up. I think about yes. being a child, and you know, the, the starting environment just from when I was a kid going to school, growing up to high school and becoming what I became, uh, it was kind of tough mm. because you kind of had to be a tough guy yeah. or you were automatically gonna be picked on. Mm -hmm. So it's like you had to have some sort of status to stay out of the way. There was no such thing as getting away from the bullies or anything like that. Mm. So I suffered bullying half of my school life, up to about seventh grade, eighth grade, I suffered a lot of bullying. I had to learn how to check. I had to get suspended a lot. I mm. had to succumb to peer pressure if I wanted to like survive with my eye and mm. my legs all in pieces, you know mm. what I'm saying? And like not getting into a situation that was just going to make it rough for me to go to school permanently. Right. Um, so, you know, dance was looking for me. Mm. I wasn't looking for dance. Um, I actually saw Gangster Walker for the first time when I was five at church. Hmm. Um, it's kind of like he was telling me it was better to save my life. You know, uh, I uh, it was this cat named Travis Burns. I tell this story a lot, so people you might hear this one a couple of times. Um, uh, Travis Burns, he was uh, talking about he was excited. He was excited. He had saw it and he had started learning it, and it was it was it's it's. It's honestly amazing to me how those young cats, 12 and 13 years old, were so good at dancing hmm. in the early 90s. He could emulate the gangster walk perfectly, and I knew what it was from him. Hmm. Like, when I saw it again, it was like he knew exactly what it was when he was showing what it was in the lobby at church. So he would show me dance moves when I was a little kid. I couldn't try them because my mom would be around, and one night... After Thursday night service, he had showed me this little, this little walk where, you know, it's a little walk where your heels go up. It's kind of like a little Michael Jackson type of thing. And I was doing it and my mom's came out and she told me she was going to give me a whooping. You know, it's like one of the most pivotal moments in my life, really. Because it's funny, the next time we got to arguing about dance again was like 11 years later in a church parking lot. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And it was the night before this big party where I made my big break at Raleigh. Mm. So it's like it was the day that everybody found out I was a rookie and I was slop. It was the next day. You know, but I had to do this because all the other cats was already popular. So it's like I had to get in the circle. Right. And it's like you trying to tell me I can't go to this party, you ain't gonna give me no money to get into this party. You know? And it's like what you what else you want me to do? Right. I mean, what you want me to be? Cause mm. cause I'm dealing with everything in school. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, you know, you got drug dealers in school. You got gang members. Mm. You got females. What you want me to do? 
Like, I'm trying to find some positive. Do I want to go to the party? I want to dance. I want to dance to filthy rap music that ain't got nothing to do with church. You okay with it? All right, well, give me a gun. Then. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, that's where I'm at right. in life because I'm already dealing with a lot of haters. You know? What, what, so, sorry to cut you off. What, what was it like specifically with, like, gang life and those types of things in your schools? Like, how prevalent was that? And what was that? All right, so we got to go back to growing up again. Yeah. Like, it was different levels to it. So, growing up, all I knew was like once you got in the gang, you was in a gang for life. Like the movie Colors had came out nationwide. Once you one color, you one color. Yeah. And it's like that's who you ride with. So that's what I knew my whole life coming up, and that's what I seen. Like from elementary, looking on at the high school fellas, they had they they flags hanging, and that's mm-hmm. the only flag you seen them hanging with was that color. And by the time I got in high school, it was a bit different. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to get shot, guys. You know, back home, I'm just telling the truth. It was a bit different. Uh, gang members were starting to hang out with each other that was from different tribes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it wasn't the same no more. And it's like, it was to the point where people like me could hang out with gang members and not be in a gang. And you know what I'm saying? Like, that was looked on way better. Having a pup was looked on way better than like false flagging and hanging with another gang member. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? My big cousin, I hang out with him. You know what I'm saying? And like, he made sure that nobody messed with me. Um, and like, you know, on my rise to becoming a star at Juke, and this kind of how, you know, I kind of had a bodyguard because I went down with that street life and niggas will hate on you. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll hate on you just to get at you and he ain't got nothing to do with no gang stuff just because you got social ranking. So mm-hmm. I kind of formed my unions based on it. You know, like, you know, it's like Rico ended up becoming a police officer and saving us most of the time later on mm. uh, in the parking lots where the police would have messed with us because somebody got some weed on them or something. You right. know what I'm saying? And it's like he could make all this stuff go away before it was ever a problem. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like nobody getting searched and it ain't no problems because the police ain't nobody get ain't nobody smoking no weed. Right. You see what I'm saying? Somebody might have some on but it ain't no reason for the police to mess with us because we got a police officer right there with us. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So everybody ain't living right, but we we trying to do something right. right. And that's what it became. And it became it because of all that mixing of culture right. in my time. So I don't look down on it because I'm not in the game. I kind of look up on the fact that people was able to man, find a peace barrier. But the hating never really stopped. Like, mm-hmm. the hating of each other. So when social status and social ranking will be acquired and, you know, you you acclimated and you accomplished, you still got these people that, that say they was there first. Right. Or I was with him. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I'm saying? And all these kinds of things. I know people always trying to hate on, you know, major cats from Memphis now. Talking about they was there at the beginning. I was in the group with them and all this kind of stuff. Man, I ain't never, you know, I don't I don't agree with that particular perspective. Because, you know, like we all had to find a way to unite. So why we gonna why we gonna get mad when some when one of us make it? When it was so hard mm-hmm. to make it when we won United. And we still got some more unifying to do. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's kinda like how growing up this I mean I pretty much summed up gang life because you know, right. you got a lot of melting pot gangs in Memphis now. And I don't mean no disrespect to them guys, I know you do what you do, you get your money. But I'm saying you it was it's not like the nineties and the eighties anymore. You know. It, they're finding solace and they're finding peace with one another to the point where they're making money together. Right. And if that works for them, um, I hope the murder rate go down one day with it. Right. Do you uh, do you see a lot of like just a general culture of Memphis from like gang life to pimping to like the music history? Do you see that 
affecting the dance in, in a lot of different ways? Are there like clear connections and sure in the ways that influence the style? Sure. Well, you know, John Quincy, he loved telling me the story about 1995 and the break of Law 95. You know what I'm saying? That was actually about some real beef going on in North Memphis. Mm. You know, so, like, gangster walking was brought to you live back then. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Real beef in the music. <laughs> it was like it was reality. Like, that's crazy. Yes. So, <laughs> it's like, we don't get that today. But, you know, it was very interesting at the time. Like, when you asked me how does the culture mold the style. Right. Woo, man, that's, it's kind of like we want to look like the gangsters who made it. Mm. So... We always wanted to look street. Mm. It can never, it can never totally look like how Lil Buck do it. Right. It can never get to that point. He's the one. He's the catalyst for us to let people know how special it is. Right. It's not meant for him to overcome the actual substance of the style. Right. He's getting great at gangster walking every day. Mm. Um. But I mean, in his juking style, it's possibly the most innovative ever. You know, but it's not meant for everyone to dance like him. It's not meant for his moves to go mainstream, mm. overjooking. Like, the basics will always be the most important. Right. Like, you're one of the most highly respected dancers from, from, from another dance world because you are an expert at basics. Mm. And anybody who becomes an expert at the basics, we're going to respect you because we already know what you're in it for. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We know you're not just in it to create some kind of trendy move. Right. You're in it for the long haul, culturally. Right. You know, and it's like these 35 year old cats that couldn't dance to learn how to juke, they got the same purpose as you. Right. You see what I'm saying? And you a master of the dance. Mm. So it's like it's the heart about it. Yeah. It don't really got a whole lot to do with, you know, uh, whether I want to learn how to spin or style on my toe. Right. So the culture is changing, but our purpose, the originators and pioneers' purpose, I don't think that will ever go anywhere as long as we're around. And that is right. to, to mold it around the actions of the creators. Right. It's a, it's theatrics now. We know that it's a theatrical thing. I'm not going back out on the corner to sell a rock. Right. You see what I'm saying? After I get through dancing. I'm not going to kick a door or I'm not going to run a gang. I'm not going to pimp a woman. I'm not going to do anything that, can, that is conducive to the lifestyle that they once lived. Right. They cut off our blessing. Right. You see what I'm saying? And they know that now. And they respect us for that. They respect us for being better people and then honoring them. Yeah. And that's what the game about. It's about honoring them. Mm -hmm. Even because ain't none of us perfect. Right. If we was perfect, I'd be a millionaire doing this and it would be all peace. That right. went with my purpose. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it that didn't happen. I only fixed a piece of it. Like Martin Luther King only fixed a piece of it. He only mm -hmm. got the voice out there. He ain't solved the problem. We still going through that 50 years later. Right. You know? So it's like, I did my part, but nobody's perfect. Like, yeah. Lil Buck doing his part, but the man ain't just finna save the whole world of dance because he got the golden opportunity to. Right. He got other stuff he got to do with it, too. He yeah. got to spread it out. You know what I'm saying? But he got a big responsibility. Like, I had a big responsibility in my city. That's why I wore that red jacket proud, you know what I'm saying? Because the next king was going, he was going to have to do that. Right. He was going to have to wear the crown. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He gotta, you got to find out where to go with it. Mm -hmm. So we got to put out all these DVDs and show you how, how the whole story runs. Right. And, you know, that's why the, all the collectives came out. Because I had, you know, it was inspiring to do so because I was on a run. And right. I had a team. So Rico was well down with it. And everybody was down with it. And it's kind of like we was reliving the gang world of gangster walking. Mm. Through dance, 
Mm-hmm. It was like we was like, man, we got we got a trap. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We got a hustle. We finna go ahead and hustle it all the way to the top. Right. You know, and that man, we had the people to distribute to. Yeah. And we had the pyramid at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And like the only thing that confused it was everybody wanted to do what we was doing and they messed it up. Mm. Everybody wanted to have a DVD empire and it was already the end of that digital era. Right. And it's like that's what stopped us from being hundred thousand nerds with it. And right. going nationwide and being able to travel and sell it, right? Because right. we can't, we couldn't even. It, we had to deal with our competition, you know what I'm saying? Like simply, plain and put, we had to deal with the competition at that mm. point. You know, with uh, with the style like becoming more well known and you know it being used sort of like in a in a more trendy way, and and because of whatever reasons, you know, people learning sort of a surface level approach to jukin or they think it's like the new cool dance or they're just trying to mix a few moves like what would you say to folks that are interested in the style and like how should they go about learning what's the best best way to really know how to do this this dance well i'll say youtube uh youtube is the first place for people that just can't access it yeah and then step two would be um Paying attention to what shoes we have on. And then thirdly okay. would be making your way to a Memphis Joker or someone who is mm. proficient in the style. Right. Um, but it's always good to, you know, brush up, get familiar, understand what's going on. I learned a lot of moves from tape. Gangsta Walk, right. they teach me how to Gangsta Walk. Right. I learned it from videotapes. Yeah. So, you know, I'll never say that you can't learn how to do something. But I'll right. tell you this, when I saw Ja Quincy, um, it helped me to know what I was doing right and wrong. Mm-hmm. When I, I remember seeing him in Africa in April in 2007, you know, seeing him in person, he wasn't all the way back like he is now. He better now than he was that 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny how he's done his two runs, you know. Um, Bobo did his two runs. You know, I did one clean run, you know. But Jacquincy came back and started from the bottom of his skill level again wherever he was at in 2007 and he honed in on it again. Mm. He makes some really good clips now. Right. Uh, you know, even in his older age. So it's like, it's like, you have to, I'm sure that he went through the progression of the question that you're asking. Mm. He had to get brushed up on what's new mm. as well as kind of sharpen what he had already. And that's what a dancer's really doing when they go and research juking. Right. You already know how to dance. If you don't know how to juke, then it's kind of easier for you to learn how to do it, actually. Because you just have to listen to rap music and then master the, the getting the steps on those beats mm-hmm. and then learn how to be consistent stepping that way. Yeah. So it gives you, you, you kind of have an easier road when you haven't gotten stuck on another genre of music. Right. And you don't, you know, you step a whole another way. Your, the style is, it's very universal in how your legs are made. Right. So you can choose how you want to do this, how it fits you, and you know you kind of can get confused along the way if you know another dance style is like, yeah. you know, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know that feeling. That mm-hmm. was like coming from popping. It was, mm-hmm. it was so different. Like the looseness, the throwing of the shoulders, like the attitude. Mm-hmm. It was a lot different than like the way I was popping. So it was like yes. I really had to, really had to adjust because it was. It wasn't like I was coming from just like a, a fresh stance of trying something completely new. I was mm-hmm. I was already solidified in what I was doing. I had to relearn a lot of things. Mm-hmm. 
which was a good, that was a healthy process for me in the long run. Right, right, Because right. it gave me new skill sets and new, Jukin gave me like new personal abilities that I could use with my other styles, but it did take a lot of readjusting and especially in the mindset because it's a whole different mm-hmm. mindset with, with Jukin than it is for like a lot of the other styles. Well, you know, the dynamics change when you learn Jukin. Mm-hmm. Your movement, like when I learned how to, you know, when I learned different things about popping. Yeah. Um, it changed me. It changed me doing what I do. It made me want to add elements of what it was doing in my upper body right. to my lower body. Right. So it just like makes everything change. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you're interviewing someone who who never sought out to be a hybrid dancer. Right. You, you know, like I'm a I'm a real cultural creationist. Yeah. You know, um, I don't seek to say that I know all of these styles. And yeah. I like being that person. A lot of people look down on me because of that. Mm. But that's why. That's what's wrong with dance culture today. There aren't enough people that's down with their team. See, mm. I'm more like an old era gangster. Mm. It's for life with me. Right. You know what I'm saying? When I got When we started G-Force... I was like, I ain't never changing no group. Like, y'all mm-hmm. can all leave. That means that I represented G-Force. Right. You see what I'm saying? But I never joined another clique. Mm-hmm. I'll never be BHG or 2 Live Crew or GPO. You will never see me change teams. Not because I don't love them cats. It's because I ain't. I don't know them. That ain't what I know. Right. What I'm a, how I'm going to change lifestyles. How I'm going to change cultural methodologies, cultural mentality. When this what I know. We come... We the ones who did what we did. They did what they did. I yeah. can't relate with them. Mm. Because I, from what I know, I'm the one who inspired it. Mm. You see? So it's like, all I can be is who I am. Right. And so that means that like trying to change it just means I'm trying to change who I am, which means I wasn't never sure. Hmm. So it's like, I was down with the team forever. It's just like I'm down with Jukin forever. Like, you want to come talk to me, you definitely want to come talk to me about Jukin. You don't want to talk to me about nothing else. You want to talk to me about Memphis. <laughs> Right. I don't know about popping. I'll tell you what I saw on TV. Right. I'll tell you how I know for a fact that, you know, watching street dance on television, only it only made us see that we was, like, unknown mm-hmm. in a secret. Yeah. Like, when I saw Usher slide in 96, I was like, man, this mic just don't know. All he ever seen was Michael Jackson. Right. Yeah, he ain't seen what we seen. Romeo was slide harder than Michael Jackson in that one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> it's a whole nother game. I'm like, bro, y'all ain't seen nothing, bro. Like, these the dance groups that were talking about G-Style seen more than these megastars when it comes to footwork. Mm. Like, another bad creation in TLC. You know what I'm saying? They seen, the Less Twins even seen more mm. gangster walking and footwork than half of these people that we call super megastars. Mm. And they just now following up on us. Right. That's why you will see a lot of you with Usher today. Mm. Because she's a female, it's a good market look mm. to get a female that can do that kind of movement. Right. You know what I'm saying? With him, who who was an alleged, you know, urban dance star, right. yeah. megastar. Right. Right? And then that's why you will see a Chris Brown making jukin videos today because he want to be related to all styles. Right. But he forgot about them. Mm. That's why you seen Kane in the Look At Me Now video bug jumping. Because he hadn't started the dabble yet. Mm. So you got an extra cat. That's doing some new stuff. He wanted he wanted to be associated with all that. Because right. that's what's young. It's like Pepsi. 
The next generation wanted to be he wanted to be hip with his generation. Right. And it's like that's okay. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with that. He helped. He yeah. definitely helped. Usher, yeah, he helped. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the, I mean, the history that you've come across with like certain legends and and old school gangster walkers like the Bovan family and mm-hmm. Fred Humphreys. I know, like, you know, like I I don't have access to to talk to some of those guys right mm-hmm. now, like. I know Ja Quincy, I know Telly, and I plan on speaking with them as well. But like, what what do you know about that gangster walk history from like these certain things, so people can maybe go to those sources themselves and and seek that information some more uh, on their own. I want to tell you, like, I'm gonna give you a good perspective story, pop culture style. All right. So, you know about. You know about Rich Porter and AZ, the real characters from Paid and Fool? Okay. Like, this is what the Bovan family was. Mm. They were like this very, very rich black crime family in Memphis. Okay. Right? So, the idea of Gangsta Walk, uh, you know the big parties on Paid and Fool where all the dope dealers throwing money? Yeah. The Bovan family was the inspiration of the parties being lit like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Now this is a perspective story because I was not born then. Right. I'm giving you perspective on what other OGs have spoken. Right. So, the Bovans was the read. They was like the money, the making it rain, and you know what I'm saying. Hey, hey, this was, they was the North Memphis <laughs> version. You know the Black Mafia or whatever. So they created the energy of the gangster walk because everybody was getting crunk because it was like mm-hmm. a party. It was a celebration. The streets was on. It was mm-hmm. love being out there. You know, so, you know, there was this cat, Michi Bovan. You know what I'm saying? That was like, he was, you know, a runner. He was a real go-getter from the block. Everybody knew who he was. They say he created the gangster wall in, in, its, in its rawest form of an individual creating the gangster wall in, in the inventor's way. Like, so... What I would assume is that the gangster walk was there for the whole club to do mm-hmm. already. And one day he came in and showed out on a level nobody else did. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's true. I don't even know if that's true. Right. But that's how I imagine it. That's how, the only way I can imagine mm-hmm. something actually changing about it. Mm-hmm. Because everybody went to the same nightclubs. You know, uh, depending on what part of town you, you was in. But North Memphis had a few. Uh, South Memphis had a few. So everybody would go to these nightclubs. So I'm pretty sure that's how they made their name. But I'm pretty sure he made his name in North Memphis, close to the corner. You know, so, like, that's how the Bovans became legendary to G-Style. Mm. You know, to Hurricane and Romeo and okay. Wolf. That's their legend in myth to tell. Okay. It's not my story to tell. Yeah. But I will tell you, you think of Paid in Full and how mm. niggas was getting money, and then it was just live and everybody came to the party for that. Yeah. They was the ones who created the energy for the gangster walk. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in that particular circle, I'm pretty sure in that five-year period, you had Fred Humphrey and Marcus Byer. They came, they they probably put it down. Mm-hmm. You know, they was probably hanging with them cats. They probably knew them. And it was like the idea was there, like, man, we had the party turn. I'm just giving you a perspective story yeah. because I've been through these things yeah. myself personally. So probably, persp- no, perspectively, it was probably like, man, the club was lit. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever you did, bro, like, we need to start coming up with some moves or something just gone in there and do that every night. You know, tear that joint up. You know? And I'm pretty sure they the ones who inspired a young hurricane. And, you know, they definitely inspired DJ Zerk and Spanish Fly to like, get that music popping. Right. You know what I'm saying? And start working with tempos and making them hit harder, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. with what they was doing and get the bounce right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they really structured and formed the gangster walk in nightclubs. Yeah. You know, so that's what led to the very short-lived street era for the gangster walk. It's very right. short-lived because it, it went to high school so. Right. You know, so when gangster walk went to high school, you know, like, John Quincy was the one who took it there, you know, and a lot of other cats. You know, Slew Footy Mario, mm. you know, all the cats that he came up with, they took Gangsta Walk down to school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it became this hallway rivalry thing where <laughs> the, the, those cats was cool enough to sneak in the parties where the grown cats was at. And the parties became secondary to the garages yeah. where they was practicing. So it's like the garage tapes is what was the golden era of the high school era. Mm. See, the, that was their street, they secondary, that was the party. Right. That was the real party, laughing. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, these generations got cut off by the people just discontinuing their 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 activity in the places where they normally are active. So, if you get what I'm saying, I can't ever say that they stopped dancing. But I can say that they stopped being as active as they were to say that the generations were still progressing and living yeah so it stayed in high school yeah it didn't make it out of high school for a while till two until us yeah so from i'll say 90 to 2000 you had the party world change mm -hmm. where it went from these small nightclubs to where these djs got super popular and rap artists were coming out using their mixes so and they were out, these rap artists was making their own mixes. So these were, there were these big parties at, at the Cook Convention Center. And these are the parties that all our mamas and daddies know about. Well, I'll say our little cousins, mamas and daddies. Yeah. They all know about these parties that Whoop and, and, and Curtis Givens. That's who, they, that's Whoop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they threw, he threw these parties and like he had this major network. He's still shaking hands with million, multi-millionaires today. He just he did Drake's party where Black Boy JB I believe, you know what I'm saying. Drake said he wanted to have a party mm. and just up and had a party and Black Boy JB shot his video in the party with him. You know mm. what I'm saying like, and and like that's still going on today. But back then he was the the rock yeah. for partying in Memphis. Six six p.m. to six a.m. You know he had the party jump. Never again has there been a him. To the point where he owned nightclubs now. Mm. And there is no competition. Right. You know? So, big ups to, you know, CGI. You you a godfather for the gangster walk. Just like my next subject. For us. The high school mm. CGI with Sean Gunn. You know? So, Sean Gunn Entertainment is, is the catalyst for the Jukin era. No Sean Gunn. No talent shows. No King of Memphis. No mm. nothing. So... We had to leave the streets alone, you feel me? We had to go ahead and go in the club where right. the late era Jukas was leaving. Yeah. The TPs and Lil Quincy's and Mike Moe's was leaving the club. 
I met Mike Moe in the late days of the spot at Club 616. I met him on a Thursday night, on college night. At this point, girls was getting butt naked on stage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> on Thursday night, college girls. So it's like, it was getting crazy. Yeah. I met him, and I still remember the song, Go Sit Down. That's what came on. When that song came on, I seen Mike Moe, he got the slide on her. I was like, I heard going, oh, gee, yeah. I had found a gym. Yeah. You know, and it's like, those parties were inspired by CGI and Sean Gunn. They kept it going. They made it work. You could throw a college party in the middle of downtown and, and people would go. Right. They made sure that with their particular level of quality that they provided for the hood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like that's where, that's where I look at our eras kind of combining. And that's where the gangster walk meets jooking right. at the party scene. Mm. See, because the, the the king of Memphis and the legendary status come from the parties. Right. Like my saga with G Nerd. You know, we had like we had. I mean, it was more than an anthology. You hear me? It was bigger than big. It was yeah. bigger than anything Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier <laughs> ever did. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you know, to Memphis it is, bro. Like yeah. we did seven battles, yeah. and people got their battles that they remember and love. And like, yeah. man, you remember that night? Like it's history in Memphis. Right. For cats our age, yeah. they'll never, ever, 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 ever forget it. They'll be right. on their deathbed. Like I'm glad I saw that in the world. Right. They ain't get to see what we seen. You know what I'm saying? Like we got yeah. that level of crunk. Mm -hmm. Just like Mr. Wiggles and them got that level of history. Right. You know, battles I wish I had seen. You know, right. Right. exchanges I wish I saw. Yeah. Like when he was talking about the exchange he had on the Battle of Wild Style mm -hmm. or Beach Street, it was one of them. When he when he told that story, I was like. Everybody wanted to see that back then. Them niggas right. was on the movie set battling. You know right. what I'm saying? Like yeah. <laughs> uh, the the last thing I wanted to ask about was um was to for you to touch a little bit on music. I know there's probably like certain music artists or certain songs that were just monumental for the style, you know, and like if you could break that that down a little bit. Uh, north North, slob on my knob, break the law. Lock him in the oh, lock him in a trunk. Oh my God, Trigger Man was the first one. No, for that's for the gangster walkers to tell. Yeah, but for I mean for the beginning, my daddies, yeah. my daddies was listening to, you know, Lock him in the trunk, and they was listening to Tommy Wright. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? My granddaddies was listening to Spanish Fly mm -hmm. and Showboys. You know what I'm saying? And in the early era, the, when Three Six was called the Backstreet Gangsters, the Backyard Gangsters. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you know, that was some late '80s stuff. When the Memphis Ticks first started developing from jazz and R, like old school R and B, mm. you know, so it's like we we like Three Six Mafia and Project Pat. So North 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 is like the national anthem of Jukin. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And okay. and who run it? And yeah, lock them in the trunk. You know, you got this whole hymn book. Yeah. You know, of the religion. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's kind of how you walk in the church and these <laughs> the songs that's in the right. hymn book. You know, like, it's a whole book of them. Yeah. Right. So, it's, it's, there is no one song that really did it all. Yeah. It's, hold on. I'm lying. Gangster Walkers can tell you, though. It is a song that did it. But I can't tell you which song it is. I just know it, Project Pat himself was like the Archangel Michael. Yeah. Coming down with a sword. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Project Pat is like a god, bro. Yeah. yeah, like there is no error without dude. 3-6 couldn't have did it down on their own. Because only when the smoke clears, we can say it's a goat album right. for 3-6. We love it all. We love world domination and we love, you know, 
the Unbreakables and things like they all got their hits and you know the joint they did with things with things like it's all bumping. Yeah. No, Lil White, Fra- Frazier Boy. Oh my God, Frazier Boy, major key. Yeah. He was a fill in when when Pat went back to jail. Mm. He was a fill in, major fill in. Yeah. Like he he covered some area for us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they're coming up. That was my retirement song. You oh, know what okay. I'm saying? Like this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. He, that 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 gone it. on that bay. Yeah, gone yeah. on that bay is comparable to Project Pat's collection. It yeah. goes with it. Like when the smoke clears goes with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I like Lil White, but Lil White don't really get that much he don't get that much play. Him and y'all got it kinda like tit for tat at the number four, number five spot for our era. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but he really stopped getting playing and y'all got it kept going because he stopped making music and y'all got it kept making music. So yeah. y'all got it don't easily get a three, four spot. Mm-hmm. You know, in this era. But y'all got it easily wiped out the old era. Mm. He easily number 10, 11. Mm. His music was not conducive to the Memphis Tick. Whoever was producing his music was not thinking like Patrick uh, Patrick uh, Will. What is his name? Patrick Will, they produced it. That's my partner cousin. You know what I'm saying? Like it, the, the beats he was making for Project Pat, that's what we was need. Like how Tay Keith making the real new jooking music. Mm. Black Boy JB producing. That's the new jooking music. That shoot. Yeah. Everything he making is dramatic as hell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Black Boy is definitely on the road to becoming a right. jukin' legend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hands down, everybody listening to his stuff right now. Yeah. Gucci Mane, jukin' legend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Gucci's special to us because he, like, touched another area. You know what I'm saying? I hope all them cats see this one day because yeah. they need to know. Yeah. Like, Zaytoven helped us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, OJ the Juice Mine. His, did hey! Hey, oh, yeah. it, it, it basically put a whole style in Jookin'. Mm-hmm. It helped the White Haven niggas dramatically. Wow. Or OJ the Juice Mine. He dramatically helped their style. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it go, huh. it go on for days, man. It go on for days. The cats from Atlanta and Memphis, they all got their particular, particular accents in different parts of Memphis. Right. We go all the way road North Memphis and North Memphis. Yeah. But... When I went to East Memphis and started messing with Bobo, Bobo had that Gucci Mane over there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He had the old Trap House album in 2005. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you go to another part of Memphis, they feeling it different. They go, it's a yeah. whole another style of jukin in another style in, a, in another part of Memphis. Veronia Square, uh, Apple Tree, at Whitehaven, that's where Tootie and them built that style that all his kids, mm. they built that in Whitehaven. That's where all them children came from that he got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I told him all that. Like, bro, yeah. you got more kids than anybody <laughs> ever, bro. Ain't nobody gonna ever have that many kids. And you got locked up. Right. And you got that many children, bro. Right. We was out here and niggas <laughs> didn't want to dance like us. <laughs> My yo style is eternal. That boy style. That boy got, in terms of styles, Yeah. people call me the GOAT. But I don't know what else to call. I mean, what can I call him? Mm. You know, like, most popular style ever. Right. Ever in history of mm. the style. To it. But mm. that that style was in, in it was influenced by Dre, yeah, his big homie. So it's like in Dre, this man used to jump in the car like mine. Dre just danced thirty minutes straight. I swear to God, this man is Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like this this is how Tootie used to talk about right. Dre. You know what I'm saying? So Dre was a real gem for us because yeah. look what he created. Look at the love he created for a generation. Mm. Of, like really two generations of joking. Yeah, like niggas still showing love to Tootie and Tootie out. And like you can't help but do his style. Right. And he can't if he wanna talk about you, he can. Right. You know what I'm saying? If he don't, he ain't got to. Yeah. But you definitely doing his style. Damn. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the last thing I think uh, was just to ask you about like, I guess this can be with Memphis Jukin or even outside of it, just different urban artists in general, you know? Cause like nowadays we're all becoming connected and I was just wondering um, what you'd like to see the direction of like urban arts and street dancers moving towards in the future, like where, where you think a good place for people to put their energy into would be. Well, we all need access to a mass collection of knowledge so we can just get on the same page. You know, Big Homie Hurricane had said one time, he was like, man, we need a panel for Memphis mm. and Gangster, for Jugging and Gangster Walking. Mm. You know, we all need to be able to sit down and discuss this. And I don't want to be involved, we can't do that. Mm. We never did get that going. And I love them for saying it. That's, yeah. but, but that's what we need for all the street dance. Definitely. It need to be a mass collective yeah. where everybody can learn all of the actual knowledge so nobody's ever wrong again. Right. See what well, people got to be able to agree on things, and you can't tell me nothing because I'm I'm a father of my era, so you can't tell me about my era. Yeah. And I'm I'm one of the niggas to get his hand raised like Al do it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like Al helped make this collective, and anybody right. else who got an opinion, I'm not gonna battle with their opinion. I know what I saw and I know what I did and I know who I am and everybody else do too. Right. Yep. So I mean that's that's probably where I that's how I feel about it. We gotta sit at a table. Or gotta be a round table. Right. For every city, uh, 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 old school, middle school, and right. new school representative for each one. Yeah. Because yeah. they all got an old school, middle school, and new school. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the only equal way. That's the United Nations. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks for, thanks for being a part of the interview. Thanks for coming out and showing us uh, out here in D.C. a bit of your personal story and mm -hmm. teaching us some of the style, like... It's a big thing for us, like, this is what we do, you know, we we try to bridge gaps between communities, we mm -hmm. try to preserve different people's stories and different cultures and mm -hmm. represent it in an authentic way, so, like, you being here is a really big thing for us, so I just want to thank you, you know, on film and everything and say mm -hmm. we appreciate it, and, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing everything today in the interview, mm -hmm. and, um, how can people reach you, you know, for like maybe if they want you to come and teach or well, learn may, a little bit more about style or connect with you and have some questions? Okay, um, you can reach me um, at Jukin G2G or you can look me up on Facebook, uh, Daniel Price, parentheses, DP. But, um, you know, I definitely, I mean, I want to share the love, you know. Yeah. If there's any dancers out there that's looking at this, that's inspired, uh, inspired to dance or an aspiring urban dancer, you gotta come to DC and, and deal with urban artistry. Uh, the reason why is because, like, I know what it's like to build this type of world that they build in here, but I didn't do it from a mass cultural perspective. We couldn't. We had to do it from an intercultural perspective, mm -hmm. and we didn't get to explore the diversity and the actual advent of unity because it was so much crab in a barrel mentality. Mm -hmm. So. There, there isn't much of one of those here with urban artistry. You're able to, you're able to platform yourself and learn different t types of dance styles. Like any person that wants to be a dancer and not a joker or a popper or a mm. break dancer, you should come here. Mm. You, sh if you want to be an all styles dancer, there's really no other place to really get grounded positively and, mm. and leave with a positive outlook. So, you know, I got to show that love, man. I know what I seen. 
and I definitely don't want I don't I, I want people to know how I feel. You know, being a joker, I don't want to be a dancer, and you will never catch me, you know, trying to be an all styles dancer. So I'm telling you from that standpoint, I don't even want to be you. And I'm telling you, you gotta come here. So, <laughs> like, so please visit DC. I, uh, this is one of the most amazing places I've ever visited to come dance. I've I've never been in a community like this. Of you know, I've been to Florida to dance in a mass community of dancers. You know, to compete. I've been in a lot of places where people dance. Um, and this one is friendly. I'll put mm -hmm. it. They don't look down on you. They're not. I mean, even you can toast somebody, and they're gonna come. They're gonna come shake your hand after mm -hmm. you toast them. You know. So mm -hmm. it's like that's a good thing. Please yeah. visit DC. But um, Juke and G2G, Daniel Price on Facebook, parentheses DP. That's how you can mainly. I'm not a big social media guy. I'm an old guy. I'm, I'm not big on social mm -hmm. media. You know, if you want to reach me, you'll be able to reach me that way. Phones can get to me easily like that. Um, for sure, yeah, and if you guys are interested in more of the interviews from the Preservatory Project, we got the Preservatory uh, Facebook page, um, we got urbanartistry.org, and then there's also funkinfocus.org, and you can learn more about what we have going on out here in D.C. Every June we have our annual event called Soul Society, Daniel's been there, Rico, uh, we've had, we had like about 10, 12 jukers one year, mm -hmm. did some showcases and things, but we do... We do a lot of different things uh, revolving around a lot of different communities and, and bringing people together to let them share their stories um, themselves. No one else is telling their stories but themselves. And when you bring different people together from different communities, it can only be a good experience, you know? Oh, you know? And like, yeah, a lot of knowledge is being shared. So check out Soul Society, Book of Styles, The Abyss. And uh, Urban Archer Dance Academy, we got that going on too. The book, dude. Yeah, yeah. Tell them about the book, man. Yeah, so I'm learning from the book right now. I just got the book right now. Right, right. So in 2010, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a collective on the dance moves of Jukin, and I put a historical analysis in there. Of course, it's changed a lot in these last eight years. A whole lot. The entire history has evolved, but um, it, it gives you a a, a good foundation for every single move that is in the gangster walk and is in the basis of juking. And um, if you're interested in getting the book, I told you how to contact me. Uh, we can do that through pay PayPal and email. It's a very simple process. It can happen instantly upon contact. Um, so if you're interested in the book, it's called The Juke Book, but you won't find it on the market. You can contact me and we can take yeah. care of that. Definitely highly recommend the book. Like when he says it's a book, it's a real book with like it's well written and detailed and in depth, breaking down like upper body, lower body, details in the feet, the names of things. It's like, mm -hmm. it's needed if you're gonna be learning the style, like to have some of these key points and, and pretty much a lot of secrets too. Especially if you're a ballet <laughs> dancer. We didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of secrets to it. But you'll find more of your secrets in workshops with us. Um, yeah. now, so keep in touch with Herbal Archer because they're yeah. learning these secrets. Yeah. 